Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about really how you put yourself back into the driver's seat as we age and go through midlife, menopause and beyond. And I am delighted to be joined today by Annie Goodrew, who's based in Canada, and she is a nutrition and wellness coach. So welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you for having me, Clarissa. Thrilled to be here. I'm so happy you and I have had a little offline conversation a few weeks ago And you have such a great background and story to how you got there, to where you are now. And I am excited for you to share that journey uh, and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yes, actually, you know, it's interesting because I really did a a midlife 180 degree uh, change. And um, because I was not always such a healthy person, I was a very overworked person and stressed out executive. And, um, and I was running my own company, and definitely did not take very good care of myself for a long time where I, you know, I was a typical North American where we all we uh, focus on is work. And, um, and at, at some point, it really caught up to me. And um, not just the physical evidence of it, but emotional and mental toll that it took. And I had been fortunate, however, that I had, um, during those years of of, um, owning my business and being an executive, I had been a runner and I had been part of a community where I got to coach marathoning for women and and really discovered that this this was really an area um, that I loved. And I discovered that um, this was going to be my purpose. So fortunately for me, went back to school, became a nutritionist and um, and created this wonderful new business. And I could not be more happy. Oh, that's a wonderful story. So you were actually an endurance athlete. Were you a marathon runner or what was that? That's right. It started um, as a, uh, I started running, you know, 5K, honestly. And uh, it, I became a marathoner because it's so addictive. Uh, the community is so wonderful. And, um, and then after that, I decided to tackle um, the field of triathlon in an endurance event called Ironman, which is an event. Um, and without getting into all the details, this should be enough to give you a taste of it. They actually give you 17 hours to complete it. <laughs> so it is really an endurance event. <laughs> yes, that's tough. I mean, I've I've known a few people that have done that. And, you know, I look at it and I go, I'm in admiration of you, Annie. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to, I always say you have to have, um, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of energy and you have to have a lot of motivation and then an ounce of disillusion too. You have to be a bit crazy. <laughs> But yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, doing that requires a lot of focus, doesn't it? How much of that training and passion 
actually helped you to transition into your new space, your new nutrition and wellness space? Oh, I love that question because I have been able to pull from my experience through training for marathons and then training for Ironman all the time in my life. Uh, Because, you know, without being cliche, life is an endurance sport, right? It's the same. It requires us to sustain our energy over a long period of time. And it is not a straight path. So while you train for a marathon, while you train for an Ironman, uh, you're constantly having to adjust and you're constantly having to uh, adapt because there will be good weeks and there will be challenging weeks. And there will be also events where you do well and then events where you go, wow, I was so well prepared, yet a bunch of things went wrong and I need to readjust. And that's life. To me, it's exactly the way life is, you know, you're designing these great plans, but it doesn't all go according to plan and you're having to learn and readjust. You're having to adjust your expectations. You celebrate the wins and then you also have to contemplate in the, in, in the moments where it did not meet your expectations, learn from that and reset. So I feel that um, I have benefited so much When I went back to school, I was still running my business full time. So I went back to school at night part time. And there were very, very many moments where I had to manage my energy very carefully to be able to sustain. It took me three and a half years. So it was, you know, it was it was it it was definitely an endurance event, but it was wonderful to be able to draw upon my experience of training, which was taking it really one week at a time. There's actually an Ironman, you know, your coach never sends you the training program for the months ahead. He basically just sends you a month at a time so that you can just focus on getting that done. And then the next month, right, you can focus on the increased load because, of course, it does increase. Um, so it's a it's um, definitely a parallel to... Um, everything that I do. And it's a lot of what I teach women is that you can increase your energy. And there is such a thing as a recipe to increase your energy. I love that because I think one of the things we often lack as women, isn't that true? We lack energy. I hear my clients saying to me, I'm so exhausted. I have no energy. I'm so fatigued. And of course, there can be a lot of reasons for that. But some of it Annie, if you meet that, is that we just have so much going on and we're trying to do so many things at once. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is possible to to do many things, but you do have to be very careful about your foundation, which I call like your how you build your your physical energy. Because you know, we we often focus on time. And not to disrespect time, but time is a finite resource. Energy is an expandable resource. And this can be learned. Exactly. And that's very true because you're right. I mean, time's just a concept, isn't it? A concept that we've created in our own minds yes. as humans to, to structure it. And apart from the fact that the sun, you know, the earth goes around the sun and we have day and night, everything else is something that we in reality, put together to help us create some structure. But you're right, energy can contract and expand, which is, you know, something I'm personally also very interested in. So I love that, that you're working with that. And that's, that's a pillar in in how you work with women. Yeah, it's very powerful. I find that once people understand literally the recipe for it, the the system by which energy is built and energy is preserved, energy is renewed, then it's incredible because it can t- literally transform your life. And I was really interested in that because I, you know, I had to run my company. I had um, a lot of priorities and I was still in my old life where deadlines were ruling my day on a day-to-day basis. And um, it was not a nine-to-five typical job. And I had 
employees, yet I was training for Ironman and uh, able to fit in also all my other obligations. And I read a lot about this subject because I knew that this was a difference. If you understand how to manage and increase your energy, it's the difference between um, <clears throat> incredible fulfillment and, um, and, and not being, you know, I'm sure that you hear that in, in your life as well, Clarissa, but a lot of people, they become resentful. They become resentful of their lives. Yes. Yes, definitely. And I think as we get a bit older, that's, that's a really important point that a lot of us feel we've missed out or we're not, and we have this, you know, quite literally FOMO and we're resentful that we maybe don't have the life we thought we were going to have or we don't have the relationship or the children or whatever it is or being as thin as we think we should be or whatever is going on. And I think that creates a lot of bitterness that turns in on us as we can age and we can become very sad. And I, and, and unfortunately, I meet a lot of women who are very bitter and angry and resentful about the life that they have. But that's also partly their own choice. Yeah, very much so. We have a lot of agency as it pertains to our outlook and the outcomes. And um, so that's why energy is such a critical component, such a critical component. I, I'm, I am always working with women regardless of where they came, how they came to me, whether we are working on, you know, specific medical issues and, and nutritional um, uh, deficiencies, et cetera, this is always a component that is part of it. It's very true. I mean, in terms of you, you talk about energy, what are, do you see as some of the key components that make up energy or that you work with? Well, you know what? There's actually, it's very simple. There are two principles within what I call, if you think about a little pyramid, at the bottom is your physical energy. And part of that is simply, on one hand, the building of your energy, and on the other side, renewal of that energy. And so when we look at building energy, there are two key components. Nutrition, so good nutrition, of course, and um, activity, because both nutrition, of course, and it, nobody's going to be surprised to hear this right now. Of course, nutrition gives you the, your primary fuel. The quality of, you, of your fuel will either make you have good, sustainable energy, or it will send you on a roller coaster, right? And we all know why. We all know the culprits of this. Um, but that is a key component of building your energy. And that and makes of perfect course, sense. And that makes yeah, perfect right? sense. You know, perfect sense mm -hmm. because I would say that most of us intellectually, even if we don't do it, know that we have better energy when we eat well, we eat a plant-based diet, we, you know, we have good fiber in our diet, we eat not too much, but eat so we're full and satisfied. And, you know, we all I think we all know that we've had a sugar crash. And that, oh, yes. You know, oh, yes. And that one can send your energy spiraling right down. And and that's part of managing your energy is to have a diet that just supports it. And I think intellectually, most people know that, even if it's practically much harder to do. It, it is. And there are a lot of misconceptions out there uh, around nutrition. So, um, and, you know, we'll, we will talk about that um, after. But as you talk about building your energy, really understanding those fundamental principles so that you are, you know, in my, in the way I look at it is I want to be able to do the most with every day that I get. And in order to do that, I need to privilege really what I put in my mouth. And, you know, we are not talking about perfection here, right? We're just talking about at least I, I always use the 80-20 rule. If 80% of the time you're following that, then you will already see your building and you know your energy rising. So you will get instant benefits from doing that. Um, and then the other part is activity. And I'm not really talking here about uh, because people think, oh my God, she's going to want to make me run marathons now. <laughs> and and absolutely not. Although if you want to run, you definitely um, should go ahead. Um, but activity is really about 
having our bodies engaged. So I always say, um, um, whatever is around you, whether it's, you know, doing housework, um, dancing, being able to garden, um, walk more, um, carrying heavy bags. You know, we know from the studies of longevity that uh, the men and women that lived the longest, and not just lived the longest, but with the best health span, right? So the best health outcomes, they still go to the grocery market themselves and carry their bags, right? They, they perform daily activities. Um, they are not, they go up and, up and down stairs, they are really using their bodies. And that is one of the key things is, is really looking at every day. How can I just be more engaged and use my body? I love that because I think we have this concept that we have to go to the gym. And then I was reflecting the other day, and I'll just tell this story quickly, of two relatives of mine, both who lived to be well over 100, and going on a walk, and I was a very little girl, and I'm moving house at the moment, so I was clearing out, and I found this photograph of my, and she was my grandfather's cousin. And she's powering up this hill because she went for a daily walk, and she was always very active. And she's miles ahead of everybody else, and she must have been <laughs> nearly, she must have been close to 90 when I, when I think of the fact that she died when I was a teenager and she was 100 then, so she would have been in her 90s. And she was just so active. Exactly as you said, gardening, walking, going up and down, downstairs, being just moving in the body in ways that the body is naturally designed to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This, this is this is the key thing. Like the body is designed to do all of that, and unfortunately, with our sedentary lifestyles. And of course, we're certainly in a circumstance right now um, where, you know, movement is a little bit more limited. Um, But on a on a day to day standpoint, we benefit from that that activity by keeping the body limber and um, and the more active, the more engaged you are with your body, the more energy you have, you know, and a quick test to that. And I always say. Um, you should always cook with some wonderful music in the background, right? Music that engages you. And of course, um, who, you know, we all have different tastes here. And you will start moving. You will start, you know, doing a little shaking, shaking the body, moving your, moving your hips. Um, and it's incredible um, how that gives you energy. Just small things like that will already rise you know, raise your energy levels. That is wonderful. I just love that. And I love the the fact that, yeah, putting on music while we cook, putting on your headphones and actually listening to music when you do the vacuuming or or being out in the garden. And I think that's kind of follows also what we saw with the the Blue Zone study, the the Mm -hmm. whole aging studies. And they were so amazing. I mean, you looked at these older people in Greece and in Okinawa and Japan. And there they were. I think there was a whole group of women, weren't there, who were like a little dance group, dance and singing group in in Okinawa. And they were just beautiful, these Japanese ladies. And they must have been 80, 90 years old, moving to music and having fun. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and so when we think about building your energy, you know, you really want to concentrate on these two pillars if you want right and the other thing that we forget as we build our physical energy is the renewal part right so just like we have to plug in our electronics you need to plug yourself in and that is done through two simple things again people are not going to be surprised here to hear that rest is a fundamental pillar to this and um, um, and I meant to start by sleep. So let me just um, uh, take a step back here. Sleep is, is incredibly important. And in North America, I know more the stats for here, Clarissa, a little bit less in Europe um, and in your part of the world. But I know we've, you've got people listening from all over the place. Sleeping aids, um, whether they are prescribed drugs or natural aids, are double-digit growth year over year here in North America. 
And that really stems from um, the challenges that people have uh, in regards to sleep these days and uh, probably primarily due to our overexposure to electronics. So, and, and of course, there's a lot of anxiety, et cetera, right? It's a complex problem. So it's not a simple solution, but sleep is your primary tool to be able to feel totally recharged, to have literally that battery filled up. That's very true. And, and midlife women have more difficulty than any other group, I think, sleeping. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, yes. And, and, you know, whether you're sailing through perimenopause and menopause or that it is more of a bumpy road, you will get uh, sleep issues. So it's very important to, um, to seek some help, professional help, to and, and 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 I often tell people it's not going to be one simple solution. You will probably have to look at a number of of modalities to support a better sleep. Yes, I agree. I mean I love you to share what you see as the most important modalities within that. Mm. A big part of um of sleep, you know, sleep is is dictated by hormones. And of course, as we all know, hormones, I call them the big bosses, right? They, they determine everything. They determine, you know, levels of energy, if we're going to be able to lose fat, um, if we're going to be able to sleep when we wake up. So they are extremely important. But one of the, the biggest wrench in good hormone functioning, and it affects enormous amount of hormones is definitely cortisol, the stress hormone. And um, nobody masters, quotation mark, perfectly cortisol. So I really want to put this caveat out there. But uh, managing our stress response is one of your biggest um, tool at your disposal to improve the quality of your sleep. Because whether, you know, you are going through, um, uh, you, you cannot fall asleep or you fall asleep, but you wake up three hours later or uh, et cetera, all these different types of sleep disturbances, um, managing cortisol is one of the key things to help you. So this is a, this is a, a, a and it determines all the other hormones. So I always say you must, must, must be addressing this in the first place absolutely true because it's got such a big impact on other hormones in the body so exactly it isn't just keeping our minds racing but it's uh, suppressing important other hormones that help us to relax and sink mm-hmm. our sleep. Mm. exactly yes and so- then i had mentioned i had mentioned um, the other part of renewal is the importance of rest and the importance of real rest. And in a lot of parts in the world, um, you know, we look at rest as being lazy. And women, um, women have multiple roles, right? As, as moms and partners and, and homemakers and providing still be the, the, the link to the, the children. And, and then if you add to that professional responsibilities and so on, rest is looked at a selfish act or a laziness. Yes, or they just don't and make time for it. It's just like exactly. there's no time left for me to rest because I'm <laughs> struggling under the load of all those roles that you just outlined there, Annie. Mm-hmm. So part of you know having those batteries charged all the time is having built-in rest. And I often refer to these elite athletes and if you look at how do you achieve peak performance, they build in full periods of rest right, on a weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. And we sh- if, if we were to apply this, we would benefit from so much better energy. I often um, suggest to my clients, for example, to implement the slow Sundays. And slow Sundays mean um, detaching from technology. And for some people, just saying that raises their cortisol (laughs) because it's like, 
what is she talking about? No um, phones, no TV, no, <laughs> no scrolling. <exactly. laughs> no iPad and, and all those wonderful devices, which I am just like everybody else here, right? I, I have my, all my life, you know, dependent on these things as well. But having making place for time that is without technology, and then I always um, uh, invite people to look in their life and say, what could be a wonderful hobby for you? As, and I call it a slow hobby. Um, you know, whether you are knitting, whether you are uh, a creator, whether you, um, you love to write and, um, or, or cook, um, something that actually brings you joy and pleasure, something that renews, you, you know, I, I call it fill in your cup, right? And it, it illuminates you. You should be happy when you do this. Um, this is, should be part of your slow Sunday. I love that. Annie, what, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite thing to do? Oh, I, I'm, um, I'm a cookbook junkie. So I love reading cookbooks like they are novels. I'm a, a total geek. And um, I love exploring different types of cultures. This is how I've learned a lot about different people through, through food. And, and then I love to cook. So um, this will be, I could not be happier in my kitchen, alone, listening to good music, or I'll turn on a podcast and I will be extremely happy. And, um, and I will cook for friends. I will drop off meals. So it has, uh, you know, it's, it's really fulfilling. That's wonderful. I love that. So I think that's so important to do. Um, I mean, for me, I'm going to share and say that it's gardening. I love being in my garden and just working in the garden. I've always loved that. And for quite a few years now, I've been living in an apartment without a garden and I've so missed it. And I just bought a house <laughs> and some of the listeners might know that. And I have a big garden. So I'm looking forward to my vegetable plot and my greenhouse with great expectation. Oh, wonderful. I love that. And that's exactly it, right? This will renew your energy. So it will be it will be such a great asset for you to fill your cup and renew your energy. Exactly. Oh, sorry, the dog's barking, Hannah. I'll just yes, <laughs> of just course. <laughs> That's okay. She's barking. It's probably my husband coming back and she has to tell the world that someone is here. <laughs> exactly. That's what, the, this is what they're designed for. Totally understandable. Yeah. And I think the thing I really have loved about lockdown is that having the dog has been such a great asset because I've had to go out and walk with her. And, and she's, she's not restful, but she's good on the activity front. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yes, I'm, I am so thrilled to see um, that the more people have dogs now than ever. And, um, and a lot of people, of course, it's a wonderful companionship and it forces us to have that activity built in every day. It's wonderful. It is actually. And I think, I think a lot of people probably that I know across my social network, and I'm sure my listeners know, have been so eternally grateful for having a dog, for being able to get out there and walk their dog. And as you said, you know, be active, even if it's only half an hour a day, it's probably made huge differences. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, we talked about rest being so important, but also devices being so addictive. How do you get your clients to let go of their devices? Well, you know, it's like any, any habit, that you want to modify, right? There needs to be a conscious decision. And then there are all kinds of, I call them um, strategies to change a habit. So you need to, for example, so we're going to continue on, um, you know, let's say I want to be off my phone and I'm going to adopt a slow Sunday. Well, we might want to start with, I am going to be off my phone Sunday from nine to noon, right? Maybe not the whole day. 
uh, we start with smaller goals. We break it down. And then I encourage people to not then just sit there and just think about that because it will, it will really mess you up. So the challenge then is, okay, what are we going to do during that time? Right? Maybe this is a wonderful time for that walk in a park. Right? And I often also, this is a great trick for anybody listening here, is walking is wonderful as an activity. And then if you want I, what I call bonus points is make sure you walk in nature. Because nature, whether it's a park, you don't have to go to the Himalayas here. Um, you know, it could be a beautiful park um, where there is greenery. We know uh, from science that it actually decreases your cortisol naturally to be in nature. We know that it actually lowers your blood pressure level. So it has that beautiful double whammy of, you know, yes, the activity, the benefits to your, to your body overall, mental and in, mental and physical health, but it also decreases so many markers. So the challenge is, okay, I will leave my phone at home and then I'm going to go and take a beautiful walk in that you get the benefit of actually reducing your, you know, your cortisol, your anxiety levels. So it is, it is really, really important to put in place um, what am I going to do during that time, right? What am I going to? And, and for me, it's easy because I can just turn off my phone, put it away, and there are no sounds, no notifications, beeping, etc. And let's say I am going to prepare a new recipe. So my hands are also busy, right? I am actually going to dedicate myself to something that um, fills me. So those are the strategies that we use to slowly implement. And I will tell you, it doesn't take that long that this is just part of your routine. Yeah, I can get that. And suddenly Sundays are the day that you make some or all of that a time to dedicate to yourself. Yes. And it's even more important because we know from um, we know from data that Sunday can be an anxiety day for a lot of people because Monday is a work day and there is some anticipation maybe happening about, oh my God, I've got this to do and I wonder how that meeting is going to go or I have a presentation to give. So I actually feel that implementing a slow Sunday strategy, SSS, there we go, slow Sunday strategy um, is even more valuable on Sundays because we know that people have a tendency to start feeling anxious because of work. So it's a wonderful way to disarm that, you know, that, um, that process. I love that. That is wonderful. And I think there's some really great pillars around building and renewing energy. But I'd like to take us back to nutrition because I know that's a very core part of the work you do, and particularly nutrition that can benefit women within this broader energy protocol. For you, Annie, what are some of the key things that midlife women and beyond can do with respect to nutrition to support the perimenopause and aging process? Oh, yes, there's so many things. And, and you know, it really ties back nicely to hormones. One of the things that we know, and very simply that, that women can do, is really look at um, the three different pillars of macronutrients, right? The big nutrient categories, your protein, your carbs, and your fats. So protein, and women have been guilty of not having enough protein in the past. And so making sure that you're getting enough protein and really the quality of your protein here matters. So what we ultimately want to achieve is less focus on animal protein. And, and I'm not saying that you have to eliminate it. This is something that you enjoy, et cetera. Um, but really diversifying, you know, your protein sources to include a lot of good quality plant-based protein. And if this, 
I am not saying that anybody needs to become vegetarian or vegan. You are welcome to explore these if you are interested from a philosophical standpoint, uh, because nutrition is not one size fits all. So I want to put that out there. But it's really important to de-emphasize the protein, um, the animal source. Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think because plant-based proteins are they're so good, aren't they, for women because of not only the pro- quality of the protein but the phytonutrients that come there and the phytoestrogens that women can gain from plant-based proteins. Exactly. Very, very important from a hormonal standpoint. And so for protein, and I would say that, um, you know, getting getting the, the um, normal amount or good amount of protein during the perimenopause phase and anybody that you would be listening here that is you know, over 60, then protein becomes really important. So science is very clear. We need to up the level of protein after 60 because there is a big difference between um, the food that we put in, your, in, in our bodies versus our ability to A, digest and B, absorb. And our ability to absorb um, slows down and proteins are, are actually broken down in the stomach and requires a specific acid. And that acid decreases, actually it starts to decrease in our forties, Clarissa. Um, the, you know, hydrochloric acid as we call it, but you know, good old term of stomach acids are very important to neutralize also bacteria and pathogens um, and so it's a beautiful built-in safety system, and it also helps us uh, break down proteins. So I often recommend, you know, taking stomach um, uh, digestive proteins as a supplement um, to anybody that, um, you know, is probably, you know, I would say 50, 55 on automatically because it will, it will help your digestion of these proteins and then the absorption. That's really, really important. That's very valuable advice. And did you have any particular protein sources that you think are better than others? I mean, it's difficult because the quality is all broken down, but is there anything that you particularly can say to people, look out for these kinds of protein sources versus others? Because people may not be always that clear what plant-based proteins they should be looking out for. Yes, absolutely. And and I think that the superstar are definitely legumes. So anything from the bean, the bean family, and we're talking about, you know, from lentils to black beans. Um, I I think this is this is a wonderful tool at our disposal. Um, so versatile, easy to use, um, they're affordable, there's lots of variety within them. Um, I really invite people to explore. Now, if you're someone who has never really been inclined, um, the the success strategy here is the smaller the bean, the easier it is to digest. So I invite people to look into all of the lentils. And there are varieties of lentils. There's green, there's dark beans, there's dupuis. Um, I love red lentils because they cook fast and are also extremely rich in nutrients. So really, this is a big area of, of that you can explore. Yeah, and they're and, great, aren't they? In so many different recipes, you can put them in salads and exactly. curries and soups. It isn't all kind of like beans on a plate, you know, and, and they're just, they're, they're good. They taste good too. Absolutely. And they, as you said, they're so versatile cold, warm. So I really, um, um, I really encourage people to explore, including a lot of legume. And this, your body will get used to the consumption of legume with time. So start small, <laughs> literally, and you build, you will literally build your capacity um, in terms of digestion, because some people are a little bit afraid of the discomfort that might come with gas. And it's really easy to remedy that by uh, making sure that you start with a smaller bean. That's wonderful. So so that would be your advice on protein. But then obviously there's fats and carbohydrates too in the macronutrient yes. category. 
Yes. And I will tell you the fats is probably the most misunderstood category because we all know that we should be eating our veg. Um, but healthy fats is, is, a is a big misunderstood concept. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to make a complex subject very, very, um, <laughs> simple here. Um, but, um, what we want to privilege here, especially for women in midlife and, uh, looking into uh, later years is ensuring that you are consuming enough good fats that contain omega-3 fatty acids. So fats come in many different, you know, chemical structures and omega-3s are extremely beneficial, particularly for mental health. So the types of cells that are in your brain, those neurons, they are actually protected by this nice little fat membrane, if you want. It's like a coating that you would put on your car, right? People wax your car. If you have a beautiful wood table at home, right, you put some mineral oil on it to keep it nice and moist and, uh, and healthy. Same thing for your, um, your little brain cells. They need omega-3 fats. Omega-3 fats are found in um, cold water fish types. So we're looking at salmon, trout, sardines, mackerel. And here again, the, 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 small, um, the small rule applies. So the smaller the fish, the less contaminants it has. So for anyone here worried about, but what about mercury, which is very fair, um, I would say then stay away from tuna because tuna is a huge fish and it you know, it will, of course, contain more contaminants just by definition. So the smaller the fish, the better, um, you know, the better your, um, your ability to stay away from these contaminants. But twice a week, for sure, if you are someone who eats fish, if you do not eat fish, there are also omega-3s in plant-based um, options. Um, there, your good fats are in walnuts. There are also um, all nuts have wonderful fats, but um, the superstar of the nuts, I would say, would be walnuts, closely followed by um, Brazil nuts. Uh, Brazil nuts, however, are very expensive, so I I always say, um, you know, if there's one that you want to privilege, definitely walnuts, and then also flax. Flax is a seed. And what you want to make sure, though, with flax is the seeds, um, if you ingest them, you will not get the benefit of the omega-3s inside of them. So you need to make sure that it is ground. Wonderful. I think that's great advice because a lot of people are being encouraged to eat whole flax seeds. But maybe, yes. it's, yeah, <laughs> which I've been guilty of too, actually. <laughs> we <laughs> all have. Yeah, yes. yeah. But that, that is a great real sort of nutritionist advice that ground them. So they're better off. You, go, you could grind them up yourself, couldn't you, in a smoothie and throw them in and, you know, let them move around. So you don't have to buy yes. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You can have those little grinders and do that yourself at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really, really important to, to, uh, to privilege that. And then extra virgin olive oil, for example, would be excellent in terms of uh, good quality fat with omega-3s. And also it's, a, it's an unsaturated fat. So um, uh, also a little healthier for the body. Where we want to stay away is all of these oils that have had these so-called quotation mark, you know, healthy halo. And those are extremely inflammatory. So they cause disease. So, and, and women die more of cardiovascular diseases than any other diseases. So we want to be careful of staying away from the so-called uh, vegetable oils that are extremely nasty. Canola oil, sunflower oil, uh, safflower oil, corn, all of these Absolutely. Even if you've got them in your cupboards, throw them away because they are extremely uh, damaging to your body. Yes, they are. And I think you notice the difference that when you get rid of them, there, there is a difference. And I think they taste horrible and I avoid them <laughs> as much as possible. I mean, but they are, they are very prevalent, aren't they, in prepared foods because they're cheap. Oh. 
And so, yes, and this know. is the biggest problem is food service, right? It's one thing to clean your house of these things, but then when you eat out, um, you know, I had a client who was having extremely severe reactions. And we, we finally, through a lot of detective work, um, saw that it was caused by canola oil. But the problem is everywhere that she goes and she has to ask, did you use canola oil? I'm terribly allergic. Um, you know, please use olive oil or butter. You know, these will be okay. Um, so yes, extremely damaging. So this is, this is if, if you want to help yourself, staying away from um, all these oils is your number one strategy. And then the other things to use fats um, appropriately, whether you are using them um, at a cooler temperature, so when you're making a dressing, for example, a vinaigrette, or if you're going to be cooking, right, stir-frying something, for example, where um, an olive oil will actually oxidize from the high cooking temperature. So you want to use uh, a fat that sustains high temperatures, therefore doesn't break down, and therefore doesn't damage the lining of your arteries. Yeah, so that would be things like, obviously, butter is one option here, isn't it? Yes, butter and even better, ghee, ghee, right? Which has has been, you know, another version of butter um, sustains very, very high cooking points. Avocado oil also, uh, surprisingly, um, sustains a good heat. So it is a it is an option for when you are stir frying. I'm thinking of stir fry. It's on my mind. It's nine o'clock right now here, and I'm thinking of my dinner already. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of mine too, but actually we're having fish, so <laughs> we won't be frying that. We won't be frying that fish. I don't think. But, <laughs> Good. Yes. But. Um, then there's carbohydrates, and I think this is where we often come a bit apart, don't we, in today's diet? Yes, and I think that it's just about rethinking how we build our meals. And we, we have traditionally built our meals based on protein first, right? We think about, oh, we're going to have some chicken, or we're going to have some um, maybe a tofu, or we're going to have... Uh, another type of protein and then we'll have a side of a side of vegetable or we'll have a little salad and what I encourage people to think is let's just re-engineer this and start with what vegetables could we make center plate and then what side of protein could I add to this and because we really want to make vegetables are the uh, the predominant um, uh, uh, portion on our plate, figuratively or not, <laughs> and 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 really build from there because your vegetables have all of the vitamins, the phytonutrients, as you call them, also the also the fiber, and you know most of us, certainly in North America, we are deficient in fiber, and fiber is extremely important, right? A fiber has so many walls in your body. And think of fiber as this big vacuum cleaner, right? It sweeps. It helps everything running smoothly, right? It, has, it, 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 it helps with cholesterol. Um, it is a wonderful friend to us. And fiber is extremely dominant as part of a variety of vegetables. Of course, we talked about legume before, also very good in the soluble fiber uh, component. But insoluble fiber is also very important um, as the body is cleaned up. And, you know, there's been all these fads and, you know, obsession with detoxing. And I say to people, you know, you can detox naturally by making sure that you have enough fiber every day because this will clean your insides. I love that because that's very simple because if we were to eat more vegetables, most vegetables are a lot of fiber on their water, then we would mm-hmm. be in a, in a great space. And if we added to that, you know, the, the good fibers, oats and, the, and all the vegetables and rye and all these things that we can eat, we would, you're right, we would clean ourselves. Detoxes are quite an extreme way to 
to go. And who says that they work better than fiber? Abs- yeah. And I, I personally don't think they, they work better. And if you want to detox in the morning, you know, with a little celery juice, for example, um, you know, again, you get all the nutrients. It really helps from a detoxing standpoint. Again, it's just a vegetable, right? It, it's very easy to incorporate it. And I say, don't shy away from frozen vegetables, which are excellent. And we, you know, we were talking about how busy women are and, um, and, and they still carry a lot of the burden of, of meal prep and meal planning and all of that. Look at all the shortcuts that are now possible with vegetables, with pre-cut. You know, I always say, don't be, don't be a princess let others do the work for you. <laughs> and, um, you know, and the, it, it will help you. If it helps you having more vegetables on your plate on a daily basis, then it is worth, it is worth doing that. So making sure that you have all of the colors and, and variety. One of the tricks I actually do in my, in my group programs, one of the challenges I give people is every week I want people to buy a vegetable that they have not cooked before. And uh, because we all fall in a rut, right? We always use the same things. We rotate the same meals. And of course, there is practicality to this, right? We know how to, we know how to do them. We know everybody likes them. But variety is really, really important in nutrition. And... Um, and uh, so I invite everybody that, you know, is listening to your podcast um, to think about next time, next time they are at a grocery store to look at, oh, my God, you know, we've never cooked Japanese eggplant. Okay, maybe we, and then you do a little bit of research and, and it makes you discover um, a whole new vegetable. And it's fun. It can be really fun. It sounds like fun. So you've you've challenged me to have a go now, <laughs> and I think Yay. it is it is hard, <laughs> it is quite hard actually when you live in somewhere like I do in a northern climate, and I get that that the variety can be quite limited, and um, so we end up with the same things. I eat a lot of beetroots and carrot and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, cabbage and things like that because that's what's readily available in my shops and I and I get ready and I bought yellow wax beans the other day and I thought yes I'm going to have those they're frozen and pre-cut for the listeners here but I thought I need something different because I'm so tired of eating root vegetables <laughs> yes I hear you and there is a lot of variety in frozen now um I'm sure it's the same for you um uh, you know, it used to be dreadful when I was a child. Um, basically, peas and corn here in North America, they love their corn. Um, <laughs> but um, now the, there's cauliflower mixes and, and zucchinis and medleys, and, uh, and they, they've done the work for you. So I also find that there's less waste. And this is something that we are all much more aware of these days. And... Um, having those vegetables that are frozen allows you to just use what you need. So much less waste. So I'm, a, I'm a fan. And quicker because, as you said, we don't yes. have to spend ages cutting and prepping and yes. we cut all that. We just And we can cook them in a microwave in five minutes. Absolutely. There's, there's steam. half a steam. Then we can do anything we want to do and suddenly we've got a whole plate full of vegetables that look nice and taste nice and maybe we can encourage other members of our family, to, if we have them, to eat them as well, which is not always that easy. <laughs> exactly. So those are really the three big things, right? Like the quality of your protein, enough protein, then you've got your healthy fats, eliminating all those terrible fats, and then making vegetables uh, the center plate um, and with variety, with color, um, but every day on a consistent basis, you will, you will improve your, your quality, uh, your energy, going back to our first point of the conversation. You will also help keeping at bay cardiovascular diseases, lifestyle diseases. You know that they call Alzheimer now um, diabetes type 3 because we know it is so linked to uh, nutrition, terms of the excess sugar. So 
um, by doing these simple things, women uh, and men, but we're talking about women, um, can improve their health outcomes significantly. Well, exactly. And, and for the listeners, you know, as, as Annie really said, it's cardiovascular disease is now the number one killer. But we know that women are two out of three women uh, are the Alzheimer's patients. And of course, we've got osteoporosis, which also has dietary links. So it is so important what Annie has shared about what we eat in terms of our long term health and in terms of aging well. Mm-hmm. And this is going back to your introduction, the, we can be in the driver's seat of our health by really taking ownership of that nutrition, by adding that activity, by sleeping well, uh, by, by resting and recharging our batteries. Because if you don't recharge your batteries, do you think you really want to be like cooking a nice meal and, um, you know, uh, even having the, 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 the creativity, the space in your mind to say, oh, I know I should have more vegetables, but really we should just do takeout, right? Um, this is what happens. So your first line of offense and your first line of defense is always making sure that those batteries are as filled as possible so that you make all these wonderful decisions for yourself of good nutrition and activity in positive outlook. Annie, I love that. Thank you so much for this wisdom that you've shared and the practicality that of how people can bring that into their own daily lives, which is what matters at the end. How can our listeners get in touch with you and find out more about what you do and maybe even work with you? Yes, um, absolutely. Everything is on my website. I invite um, anybody that is interested at v- to just look, look me up at vive.ca. So that's V as in Victor, double E-V dot C-A. Um, and I also have a gift there for everyone. Um, if you look under the resources, I have a healthy fats guide. And it breaks down all of the different fats, which ones to use, when, which ones to eliminate. And it's a just a little two-pager PDF that you can easily download and keep handy um, for everyday usage. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And we will put your details, vive.ca, in the show notes for all of our listeners who want to learn more about you and definitely get an opportunity to download a healthy fats guide. It could make a huge difference to your health. Annie, thank you so much once again. I've had a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been an honor to be part of your uh, podcast community. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback in your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. 
Take it away, Hamburglar. Bravo, Rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, Rubble. He said, Rubble, Rubble. Rubble, Rubble. Rubble, Rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.